Hey G12 family, welcome to our podcast. We are so excited to have you here. We know this message will draw you closer to God's word, his will, and his way wherever you are. Enjoy the message. Today I want to share a message with you guys. The title of my message today is, Will You Follow? Whoa. Will you follow? That's pretty bright. <laughs> um, now, the word follow sometimes has kind of like a negative connotation, right? Like we're always like, I'm not a follower. I'm a leader. And, you know, I, I make the way. I don't follow. But that word follow is not a negative word, right? As Christians, we're called to be followers. We're called to be followers of Christ. If you think about it, every other religion, and here's, today, my introduction is going to be a little nerdy, but don't worry, after the introduction, I won't talk about nerdy things anymore. So here's a little linguistics. The word Christianity is different from every other religion, right? You have Hinduism, Buddhism, mysticism. And most other religions or belief systems end in the word ism. And that, that word, that little affix at the end of a word, ism, means it's a thought process. It's a mentality. It's the way you think, right? Racism. It's all about what's in your mind. But Christianity is different, right? Christianity doesn't end in ism. Because it's not about just what you think, it's about what you do. Because the word Christian means you are a follower of Christ. Amen? So, as a Christian, we have to be excellent followers. And I'll t I always like to share, like, sensitive stuff because I'm getting older, I guess. I don't know. So, the other day I was thinking, because my daughter turned three this year, a month ago. And I was like, man, I know. Who said that? <laughs> I know. I can't believe it. Um, and I was like, man, it's crazy, like, how much time has passed. I was talking to Josh, my husband. Hey. <laughs> um, and I was like, man, it's crazy how fast time passed. And for those of you who are parents, you'll know, like, sometimes you don't even remember, like, that first seven months, you're like, man, what just happened, you know? Especially as a mom. You don't really sleep that much, so a lot of the memories seem like you read them in a book or something. I was like, man, did Zoe do that, you know? And I was thinking, like, man, the first time Zoe got sick, we were, like, staying up all night watching her breathe. We're like, okay, now you watch her, you know? And, and I remember all the things that I did, and I was thinking, I'm like, man, it's crazy. Nobody teaches you how to be a parent. Nobody teaches you how to be a mom. I was thinking to myself, nobody ever taught me how to be a mom. Like, I didn't pick up a book. Like, what to expect? You know, I didn't read that. Everybody gave it to me. I didn't read it. But how do you learn how to be a mom? You learn to be a mom by being a daughter, right? When my, mom, when my daughter was sick, I learned, I knew to put like a wet rag on her head or to stay up with her because that's what my mom used to do for me when I was a kid, right? And now that I have my own daughter, I know what to do as a mother because I learned while I was a daughter. Amen? And it's the same thing. How do you learn how to be a Christian? By being a good follower. Amen? So here comes the nerdy thing, number two. And then after this, I'll be done with the nerdy things. How many of you guys have seen Lord of the Rings? Yeah? <laughs> okay. I told you it was a little nerdy. It's a little embarrassing. But it's, I actually really like it. And in Lord of the Rings,
there's this protagonist, his name is Fro Frodo. It's just funny that I'm talking about this, but whatever. <laughs> it's like, but he's the protagonist, he's the main guy, right? But my favorite character in this trilogy is not the main guy. The protagonist, Frodo, has a friend, and his name is Sam. And so the story of Lord of the Rings is that Frodo gets this ring, and the ring contains all of the evil in the world. And he has to destroy the ring. He has to travel to the ends of the earth to destroy this ring. But that evil consumes him the more he has the ring. And so this guy, powerful guy, I don't know, he's like the main guy, sends Frodo. He's like, this is your mission. You have to go destroy this ring. And then he calls Sam. He says, Sam, your mission is to go with him, is to be with him, to be his loyal helper, right? And so they face, oh, by the way, Frodo and Sam are like elves. I don't know. They're like really little, right? And so they face like dragons and giants and all these kind of obstacles to get to the other side of the world. And through this all, the evil is consuming Frodo, but through everything that's happening, Sam is the loyal friend. And at, in the middle, Frodo tries to leave Sam, and he's like, no, don't come with me. And he's like, no, I made a promise that I would come with you, and I intend to fulfill that promise. And even at the end, when Frodo couldn't go on anymore, he, Sam looks at him, and he said, this is my acting. Sam looks at him, and he says, you know, I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you. And he picks him up and throws him on his shoulder and carries him the rest of the distance to destroy the ring. That's a true follower. That's someone that follows till the end. Amen? And that's the kind of followers. Sorry. That's the kind of followers that we have to be. Those unsung heroes. Amen? So we're going to be reading. I was going to cry because I was thinking of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I'm telling you, when you get older, you cry about everything. <laughs> like, Anyways, Matthew 22. You guys have it? I'm going to steal from, I don't know if you guys, some of you here remember Pastor Ellie Emerson. He used to say, if you have it, say amen. If you don't have it, say misericordia. <laughs> so that was back in the day. Do you have it? Everybody have it? Yeah? Amen. It's also on the screens. It says, and this is just to put it into context for you guys. Jesus is speaking a series of parables explaining what the kingdom of heaven is like. And in this parable, he says, it says, Jesus then spoke again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. The oxen and fattened calf have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Verse 5. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. But those who I invited did not deserve to come. 
Go to the street corners and invite them to the banquet. Invite anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Verse 11, but when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendant, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Amen? Amen. So, will you follow? That's the topic today. Will you follow? And today I want to talk about that in light of that we're starting a new year, right? And the first thing that we see here in this parable is in verse 1 through 5, right? This father throws a big party for his son. He has certain people that he invited. Have you guys ever thrown a party? Or when you were kids, you know, you invite everyone in your class, like in your kindergarten class or whatever. And now, like, there's these viral videos of, like, kids that invite their whole class and no one shows up. And then, like, the police officers show up or the basketball team shows up. And you're like, oh, it's so sweet, right? So here's, that's what happened here, right? The father threw a wedding, invited all these people, and the people didn't come. And what does it say? It says that they were busy. One of them in their business, the others in the field, and they didn't show up to the invitation, right? And so the first thing is that, that we have to see here is that you cannot be too busy. Number one, don't be too busy if you're taking notes, right? Don't be unavailable when God calls, right? If Jesus is calling, don't be so busy that you're unavailable. So many times Jesus calls us, but we have so much going on that we become too busy and too unavailable to even hear that Jesus is calling us, right? And in the Bible, if you're taking notes, I'm not going to read it because I just read 14 verses. Don't worry, guys. But if you're taking notes, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42, we find the story of two sisters, Martha and Mary, right? And Jesus was going to come to their house. Jesus was going to come visit them. And Mary was like, and, you know, there's different personality types. Some of you here are going to identify with Martha. Some of you will identify with Mary. In my family, before Christ, I used to be Martha, right? And my sister was always Mary. And so Jesus is coming, and these two sisters are like, oh, yeah, Jesus is coming, Right? And Mary's like, yay, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And she's just like skipping and dancing and singing. And Martha's like, Jesus is coming. And she's like cleaning the floor and dusting and getting everything ready. Right? And then Jesus shows up. And Jesus is there already. But since Martha was doing it alone, Mary wasn't helping her. She didn't get it done. Right? And Jesus was there, and Mary sat down to listen to Jesus and to worship Jesus. But Martha was still so concerned with how everything looked that she was like, okay, Jesus, thank you for coming. And she's like doing the dishes that were still left, you know. And I'm like, it's too late, girl. He's here. <laughs> like, it's done. But she was still so preoccupied. And she tells Jesus, Jesus, look at my sister. She's not helping me. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said to Martha, Mary has chosen the better part, right? She wasn't worried about what she had to do. Her biggest concern was to sit and listen to Jesus. 
her biggest concern was to worship Jesus because she understood the magnitude of that moment. She understood that that moment was history in the making, that not every day Jesus was going to show up in her living room and sit down and talk to them. She understood that, and Jesus saw that she understood that, and he said she chose the better part, right? It's the same thing with the disciples. The disciples were busy. They were working. They were fishing and doing their job. And all of a sudden, this guy, Jesus, comes and he's like, hey, follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And what did they do? They understood. In that moment, they had the discernment, the understanding to say yes. Not, oh, my shift ends at 5. My shift ends at 6. I'll come. I'll meet you somewhere. Where can I meet you, Jesus? They didn't say that. They understood how big that moment was in history. And you know what the Bible says? That they dropped what they were doing. They left their boats, their nets. They left their job. They left everything and followed Jesus because they weren't too busy, right? And that's the first thing. Don't be too busy. Don't be too busy for Jesus. When Jesus calls us, we can't be unavailable. We can't be the kind of people that have so much going on that we don't even understand what's going on when Jesus calls us. We can't have so much going on where we don't even know the severity of what's happening, right? Imagine the people that Jesus called and they were too busy. Imagine how they felt decades later when they saw that this guy who had called them was the Savior. This guy who had called them died and raised again. Imagine how they felt. They're like, man, and here I am still with my same boat and my same fishing net, and I could have had an opportunity to change the world, right? So let's not be too busy that you're missing what's right in front of you, right? A lot of times we're so busy that we're missing what's happening right in front of us. Don't be so busy with the ordinary that you can't see the extraordinary. Don't be so busy with the natural things that you're missing out on the supernatural. Amen? Amen. Oh, amen. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> um, and this applies to every area in your life, right? With your family, with everything. I know we all have things to do. How many of you guys have jobs? I hope, I hope most of us, right? Because, you know, we got to pay our bills, right? Yeah? Okay. And we all have things to do. We have school. We have responsibilities. But don't become so busy where you're missing the really special moments in your life. If you have children... You know, don't become so busy that before you know it, you're like, man, you're a teenager, you know? Don't become so busy that you don't see your parents for years and years or for weeks and weeks. You know, oh, I'll see them later. I'll see them another time. A lot of times we become so busy that we miss the most important things. And that's the opposite of what Jesus is calling us to do. You know, Elijah, do you guys know who Elijah was? Yeah? He was one of the biggest prophets in the Old Testament. And there was a point in his life where he was just tired. Have you guys ever had those times in your life where you're like, man, I need a vacation, <laughs> you know, like 
I was kind of like that this week. I was telling my husband, I'm like, man, when I finish the bar, I want to go to Mexico to a resort for a week, <laughs> you know, where all they do is feed you. You just sleep and eat and go to the beach. That's all I want to do, you know, because sometimes you go on vacation and then you get back, you go to like Disney and you get back exhausted. You're like, oh my God, my legs hurt, you know? And so Elijah was kind of in this moment where he was like super tired of, with life, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's seasons in our life where maybe you've been, through one trial and then another trial and you're done with that trial, you're like, oh, yes, and then boom, another trial comes. You're like, Jesus, what's happening, you know? And then, you know, it's like not one thing, it's the other, and you're like stuck there. And Elijah was like this. And the Bible says that he went and he was like hiding in this cave. He was just like, I'm done, you know? He was hiding in a cave and he was super tired. And God told him, Elijah, I'm going to show up. I'm going to talk to you. And so Elijah's like, amen, you know. You know, like when you're like super tired and weak and you're like, okay, man, you know. Like, Ashley, go to church because I have a message for you. Amen, <laughs> you know. And so Elijah's like, okay, God. And so the Bible says that like an earthquake came and Elijah's like ready to hear God's voice. And then like fire came and a storm came. And every time Elijah was like, okay, God is going to speak to me, Right. And the Bible says that God wasn't in the storm, and God wasn't in the earthquake, and God wasn't in the fire. And after all these big, loud commotion things happened, the Bible says that then a still, soft whisper came, and that God spoke in the stillness, right? And that's where Elijah heard God's voice. So let's not be too busy that we miss out on what God wants to tell us. Amen? Amen. Number two is in verse 8 through 10. What does it say? It says, Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. Thank God, right? <laughs> Just, I feel like I'm in one of those old school churches. <laughs> Can someone bring me a tissue? <laughs> like, all right, can any, okay, sorry, back to verse 8. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone, anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Amen? Number two. Don't be too prideful. Don't be too prideful. Right? A lot of times, as human beings, that's our nature, right? And as Americans, unfortunately, that's more of our nature, right? Because, and I'm, I'm a proud American. I know, like, we're the land of the free and the independent and nobody can touch me and all this other stuff. But a lot of times, and it's good, I love the U.S., <laughs> don't get me wrong, nowhere else in the real world I would rather be, but we can't let that become our attitude towards God, right? A lot of times we have this attitude that we're indispensable, like, oh, God, well, God will just have to wait for me whenever, oh, thank you, I was just kidding. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> just 
Oh, you're so sweet. Um, <laughs> I actually did need it. Um, so, you know, we have this attitude that we're indispensable. Like, God, you're just going to have to wait for me. You know, we don't say it in the, that many words, but that's our attitude, right? Well, you know, God, when I finish, and I'm talking in the first person, God, when I finish school, or when I get my degree, or when I have four or five kids, or when I finally get married. <laughs> Some of you guys, yeah? No? Um, you know, when this and when that. And, you know, we don't mean it to be prideful, but it really is. Because why should God wait for us? Right? We're his creation. We wait on him. It's not the other way around. And we can't be too prideful. What does the Bible say here? That the, the man saw that his guests didn't show up. They were too busy. And you know what he did? He said, okay, fine. I'll just invite somebody else. It says he told his servants, go invite anyone who will come. Right? It says good and bad. You know, we're not more qualified than other people. We're not more qualified. I'm not better than anyone else. If I don't do it, God will find someone else. It could be a person selling drugs on the street corner. God can find them to take my place if I'm too prideful. Right? The Bible says, if you're taking notes again, Luke 19, 40, if we remain silent, the rocks will cry out. Right? And so we can't be too prideful to think that we're indispensable. When Jesus calls, we answer. When Jesus says go, we go. When Jesus says jump, we say, thank you, fam. <laughs> right? And, and a lot of times our pride gets in our way. The reason why we're not good followers of Christ is because our pride gets in our way, right? And so I like to say it like this. The more visible I am, the more invisible Jesus is. But the more invisible I become, the more visible Jesus becomes. Amen? Why don't you say that to your neighbor? Amen. <laughs> say that to your neighbor. The more visible I am, the more invisible Jesus is. But the more invisible I am, the more visible Jesus is. Amen? Now, we have to understand, really, it's not about us, right? I like to tell this story, and with all honesty, I didn't invent it. I'm, I heard it somewhere a long time ago, and I always like to say it. Some of those who are in my cell group have heard me say it before. I recycle some of this material. Um, Jesus, since it was Christmas, I'll tell the story. When Jesus was going back, right, into Bethlehem, it's in the chapter. It's called the triumphal entry, right? And I think J Pastor Julian preached a couple of weeks ago about he sent, like how Jesus sent his disciples to get the donkey, Right, and he, he rode back into town on the donkey. And the Bible tells the story that when he was riding back into town, like, and in Colombia, there are Colombian people here? Hispanic people? I don't know if they do this in other countries. I've just been to Colombia when they do this. Like, they pass out, like, palm tree branches. When I was a kid, I'm like, what is happening? You know, like, they give everybody a palm tree branch, and, like, you walk around the street, like, doing this with a palm tree branch. It's like, okay. And since, like, we're, like, American Colombians, so we would live here, and then we would go to Colombia and live here and go to Colombia. And when we go to Colombia, we were just, like, <laughs> these little, you know, American kids with the palm trees. Like, we're like, okay. 
And this, they're like representing what was happening there. That when Jesus was walking in, everybody had palm tree branches and was worshiping and praising Jesus, saying, Hosanna, you know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so Jesus is like riding in on the donkey. He's like coming into town. And all of this praise and glory is coming their way. Imagine if the donkey would have been like, whoa, wow, you know, this attention feels good. And imagine if the donkey would have gotten up and been like, thank you, thank you. Jesus would have fallen off, right? The donkey knew it wasn't about him. That praise and that glory was for Jesus. And sometimes we're too prideful. We think it's for us. And so we're like, yeah, thank you. And then Jesus is like on the floor, like, what just happened, you know? And so the, a lot of times we're like struggling because our own pride is getting in the way. Pride is the enemy to success. And if we, if it's still about us, if it's still all about us, then we're still not ready, right? As followers of Christ, we can't be too prideful. Amen? And then... The last and final point is do not be unprepared. Don't be unprepared. And this is in verse 11 through 14. It says, <laughs> it says, but when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man who was sitting there not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Amen? The third thing, don't be unprepared. Right? What does this tell us? It says, you know, the king wanted everyone to be there. It says that he sent out his servants. He said, go get anyone, good and bad. But the fact that they were invited to the wedding didn't mean they could show up to the wedding any way they wanted. Have you ever been un un underdressed? No? Okay, fancy. I've been underdressed before, right? It's like one of the worst feelings, and it happens to me often because I don't really like to dress up. So sometimes I'm like, you know, debating between two outfits, and I'm like, oh, I choose the comfortable one, you know? And then I show up, and I'm like, oh. You know, especially like Colombian weddings. Dude, it's like the Grammys. <laughs> like, you know, like, I remember, I forget who's, oh, I think it was Julian and Lorena's wedding. They got married in Colombia, and a group of us here were, went to the conference, and like, we were invited to the wedding. We're like, oh, it's party time. We're all happy. We're like Adriana. We were, like, younger back then. We are like, ready to party. And we bought our dresses. I mean, I didn't show up in jeans. We bought our dresses. But we bought, like, you know, dresses up to your knee. When we showed up, people were walking in in, like, ball gowns. Like, they had, like, the tails. <laughs> like, I was like, what is happening? Like, and, like, the men had, like, their tuxedos with, like, the little tails, like the penguin tails. <laughs> I'm like, dude, like... They were like dressed up like a lot. And like the ones from Miami were like <laughs> standing in the corner like, oh. But we were the life of the party, so it's all good. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, and 
in that occasion, thank God I wasn't alone. We were all like, we didn't know we had to wear like an Oscars dress, you know? Um, they had people interviewing, who are you wearing tonight? You know? and I'm like, yeah, I'm like Forever 21. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was 21 before, so I could, you know, now I, I don't think I could get away with it anymore. But, um, but a lot of times I've been in that situation where I'm underdressed, you know? And that's what happened to this guy, you know? He showed up to the wedding. A king invited him to a wedding. And he showed up in, like, his work clothes. And the king walks in, like, to survey the room. And he's like, what? Hey, come here, little buddy. How come you're not wearing your wedding clothes, you know? And the guy's like, you know, the Bible says he was speechless. He's like, uh, you know. And what happened? He was kicked out. He's like, dude, you, you can't be in here like that. You're going to mess up my son's wedding. You're going to be in the pictures. Me and my husband, like, we still have our photo albums from our wedding. And some people just messed up the pictures, man. <laughs> we did it on a yacht, so it's not completely their fault. But one of the groomsmen, we told them, it's on a yacht. Take some, like, medicine before. He didn't listen. And so he shows up in all the pictures, like... <laughs> <laughs> And he was standing right next to my husband, so he's in every picture. So every one of our albums is like, this guy looks like he's going to die. And I'm like, great. There's like all the thousands of dollars I spent on photography, you know. And so, you know, the father's like, man, you can't be in here dressed like that. That's, that's not, you're not wearing the right thing. And this speaks to us about holiness, Right. You, you can't expect to follow God and continue wearing the same clothes of sin. Jesus, you know, he invited everyone. He said good and bad, anyone who wants to come. And then he offers to give them new garments, right? Hebrews 10.10, 10, if you're taking notes, it says that by his sacrifice, he sanctified us all. So you don't have to sanctify yourself, but you have to take part in that sanctification that Jesus offers. You can't expect that you can be a successful follower of Christ thinking, no, well, Jesus is just going to have to take it or leave it. You know, no. We have to understand that part of following Christ is holiness, right? Jesus said that to his disciples, you must pick up your cross when you follow me. You have to live a life of repentance, live a life of holiness. And that's what being a true follower, follower is all about. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It is really hot in here, right? No? Just me? Okay. Winter in Miami. Um, so, again, I'm going to end with the same question I started with. Will you follow? Right? We're entering a new year. How many know that 2020 is upon us? Amen? And so, it's always important to go into a new year knowing with intention, with expectation, what you're expecting that new year to be. And this new year, Jesus makes that call. He's calling us, and he wants to know, will we follow? Right? And it doesn't matter. This is the beautiful thing about the God that we serve. This is the beautiful thing about being a Christian. It really doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It really doesn't matter what you did yesterday. 
I will be so bold as to say it really doesn't matter what you did today as long as you come now to Jesus. All of that stays in the past, right? And so my encouragement today is that as we go into 2020, we go in as true followers of Christ. People who understand that we can't be too busy. No matter what we have going on, the number one priority is to be available to Christ. We can't be too prideful because just as John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he may increase. And we can never, ever, ever be unprepared. There's a verse in Isaiah, just so you have it in your notes. Isaiah is one of my favorite books in the Bible because it talks about the people of Israel and how many times God kept calling them back and how many times they kept straying and falling away from God and how many times God kept extending his love. As many times as they failed, as many times as they walked away, that many times God extended his love and his mercy again right and that's why i tell you guys it doesn't matter what happened this week or what happened in your past god is a god of love and mercy and so this verse in isaiah it says i called but no one answered right and how sad it would be that jesus would have to say that of his people my prayer when i read that verse every however often I read it, is always, God, please don't ever let that be me. God, please don't ever let me be that person of whom you have to say, I called you, I tried to get you to serve me, I tried to get you to follow me, but you didn't answer. You were too busy, you had too much going on, your heart was too full of pride, and you refused to let go of your sin. Imagine the heartbreak, right? If God ever has said that to me, I think that would be it for me, right? I'll be like, dang, I really messed up, right? And let us not be those people, amen? I'm going to ask you guys to stand up. We're going to pray. I want to pray for you guys, and I want you guys to pray as well. And I want this to be a time, I mean, I love the Saturday service. It's so intimate, right? Nobody really watching us all to ourselves you know but let take advantage of this opportunity take advantage of this service right in a couple of days we're starting a new year and to every person here every one of you jesus is calling you and saying will you follow me you know and a lot of times in the past jesus has called us and maybe we were like martha and we were like too busy to even understand the magnitude of the situation a lot of times Jesus was calling and trying to show us something supernatural and extraordinary, but our eyes and our worries were too focused on natural things and mundane things, right? But today is a new opportunity. Today is a new chance. So today let's just pray and say, God, we want to answer that call. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand where you're at. We're going to pray in this place. And just take some time to, to feel the presence of God. Take some time to bring that presence into this place. We welcome his presence as we worship him. Lord Jesus, here we are. Here we are, Lord Jesus. We are your people. We are your church, Lord. 
You know our hearts, Lord. And God, today I pray that you look at your church. Look at your people. Look at their hearts, Lord. You know they long to serve you. You know they long to be your people, Lord. I pray for them today, Lord. I pray that you begin to move and stir in their hearts. That you begin to awaken them, Lord, if they have been asleep, if they have been dormant spiritually, if they have had trial after trial, and if they've been in a weary position, they're tired, if their life has been difficult in this last season, if they've gone through many things and they feel like Elijah, like they just can't go on, Lord, I pray that you look at them today. Jesus, visit us today, Lord. You know our situations. You know everything that we go through. You know every trial we've been through. You've seen every tear that we've cried, every seed that we've sown, Lord Jesus. Today I pray that you come and visit your people in this place, Lord. Thanks so much for tuning in. Before you go, make sure to click the follow button so you never miss what's new. We would love to connect with you. You can follow us on Instagram at G12Church and share with us how this message has impacted you. Until next time.